we're just stoked to have you here. Tam Salinas Fulton, right? But but Tam Fulton. Tam is uh, an amazing young lady that's just doing great things. Like I, I uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb. I'm gonna say an entrepreneur. I'm gonna say the the wife of a great professional skimboarder, uh, Tim Fulton, who's been on the on the show with us before. Um, creator of the Awakening. Um, just the list goes on and on. Personal trainer. Did I say entrepreneur? Uh, woman of God. Uh, the first woman to be on the podcast with us, actually. So kudos to that. Um, yeah, we're just stoked to have you here. And let's just jump in. Nothing scripted. Just what's your story? Tell us Tell us about Tam from, from little girl growing up. Where'd you come from? And, and uh, where are we? Awesome, Nick. Oh my gosh. Thanks for that intro. And thanks for having me on here. I feel so special being the first girl and someone who isn't a professional athlete, but I definitely fall in the athlete realm. (laughs) Um, I actually was born in San Diego County in Escondido, um, what grew up here for a few years. And then when my grandpa passed away, um, we moved to Mexico city, BFA. Um, that's the capital of Mexico. And we moved there because my dad is a federal agent. And that was an interesting couple of years. I was there until third grade. And I, I love Mexico. Mexico is such a beautiful, beautiful country and culture. And I love how they love Jesus. Like that was when I went to Mexico, I had my first um, moment of feeling God as a young girl Um, as my dad and I were holding hands, walking into a chapel. And I just remember falling to my knees and crying. And I was like, dad, what is that feeling? Like my, my heart was so huge. And my dad's right next to me, like with his arm around me crying. And he goes, Mika, that's Jesus. That's God. They love you. Like you're here, you know? And I, I didn't understand. I didn't know like who they were or what, like what was so special, but um, I just, We'll never forget that moment. How old were you at that point? I probably was in like first or second grade. Okay. Because I was in I was in Mexico from kindergarten until third grade. I don't know I don't know how old you are and that I'd have I literally have to Google it. So my uh my youngest daughter is ten and she's in fifth grade. So so you're six or seven maybe? Yeah, yeah. I must have been around six. That's that makes sense. And I don't remember anything before six. So. You know, I don't, um, I, I had trauma with us transitioning from California to Mexico, not because of the culture shock, which a lot of people assume that, you know, I had, I, I loved it. I, I'm a chameleon. I'll adapt anywhere. But what was so traumatic for me was my grandpa had just passed and he, you know, helped raise my sister and I, he, my parents both worked full time. And so my grandpa really, you know, took us under his wing and helped us learn how to read and walk and write. And I remember typing on his like old school typewriter. That was so cool. And so when he passed, that was really difficult for our whole family, but in turn, it's what allowed us to take um, that job opportunity in, in Mexico, which then opened up like a whole new acceptance of life and things that are so different. And I really believe that having that experience so young created, um, just 
a love for anybody and everybody. You know, we, we, since my dad was a federal agent, we had to have a bodyguard everywhere we went, but I thought that he was my Theo. I thought he was my uncle. And so I just, I didn't, I didn't even understand, you know, oh, and we yeah. so, it was crazy. And so people are like, Oh my gosh, it sounds like your life was like the movie man on fire. You know, <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what came through my brain. Like, <laughs> I knew, I knew it. Yep. But it was just, <clears throat> it was just really a beautiful time getting to see so much um, from our ancestors. And I saw a lot of love in Christ. I saw, you know, I saw a lot of poverty and that really shook me. And, you know, my dad being a federal agent, he definitely shook us up a bit by taking us to the the jail cells that were there in Mexico. And the, the jails in America are blessed <laughs> compared yeah. to the ones that are down South. So yeah, that was just a wonderful journey to experience, even though it was only for about three years. Um, and then from there, we, we moved to Texas. Once his, his contract was over, we moved to Texas. And that's why you'll catch me saying y'all, or maybe I get, sometimes people are like, okay, Tam, you got a little twang every once in a while. I'm like, I spent quite a long time in Texas from third grade until I was 24. So, so yeah. the, um, as you go to Mexico and you do that kind of stuff, you mentioned it's the first time you actually can remember encountering God and, you know, feeling the Holy spirit. Were you, were you raised in church? Like, were you attending church regularly? Like did it, was it Catholic? I mean, I'm assuming it's Catholic church. Cause if you're in Mexico, it's, it's almost always Catholic. Um, yes. at least that's my perception of it. Maybe that's not reality. So if somebody is listening, wants to correct me, please do DM me and let's, uh, let's get me straight. But, you know, so were you guys following? Were you guys attending? What was what was that like when at, at a younger age for you? Yeah, so I was, you know, baptized as a baby into the Catholic Church. My parents, they were married in their Catholic Church in, in St. Mary's um, in, in San Diego County. And we were we were the family that <clears throat> loved God. You know, like I'm super grateful for my parents for bringing God into my life, but it was as if we were only followers of Jesus on Sundays, you know, we're like, okay, get dressed up, make sure you look great. We're going to church. And it almost created this like fear, like this fear of God. I was like, gosh, I have to dress a certain way. I have to like, I have to act a certain way. Okay. Neil stand Neil. I'm like, this is not me. This is so weird. I did not like it. I did not like it. I, once we, you know, once I started getting older and now fast forward, we're in Texas. Um, same thing, right. Same thing. We go to church on Sundays. What I loved is that we always, always, always had dinner together. Um, that was just mandatory in my household. We'd always have dinner together and, Every once in a while we would pray at dinner, but it wasn't something like, okay, we absolutely have to pray before we eat. But um, it, it only seemed like Sundays and holidays was when we would go to church. And so for me, I'm like, okay, well then I don't like, once I started getting older, I was like, I don't need to go. I don't need to go to church. Like, this is silly. Like this doesn't align with me. I, I don't understand what anybody is saying. And I fall like half of the time I would fall asleep in church and my mom would be like smacking me, like, wake up. And I'm like, I don't know what they're saying, mom. I'm so bored. Like, I I feel like I had this severe resistance and the devil was pulling me um, in my early years. You know, I around 13 is when I started doing drugs. 
I started drinking. Um, I was really, really good at athletics and sports, but I, I picked partying and boys over that. And I don't know. I feel like during that time, that's when I really started having my first experience of that spiritual warfare in me, like just being so resistant to going to church and not wanting to do it. And, and my parents were like, you know what, do whatever you want to do. You're going to do whatever you want to do anyways, like do whatever you want to do. And I'm thankful for them for letting me figure it out on my own. But now it's like, as I'm wanting to become a parent, I'm like, gosh, I wish they would have just like forced me and like, (laughs) we can't force anybody to anything. That's for sure. Well, it's funny you say this. So we we talk about often on on this show the you know relationship versus religion, you know, and and at that point it really sounds like you you had the religion side of it, right? Like that's what you did. It wasn't a, a relationship with Jesus every day. You didn't really know your identity, which is such a problem. And and you know you mentioned being thirteen years old. It took me thirty five years to figure out my identity, and even then. When we started going to church, uh, my wife would literally elbow me as I fell asleep in church, you know, at the beginning of church. So, you know, at least you got it out of the way early, I suppose. But that's part of that relationship versus religion thing. You you just went through the motions. You were there on Sunday. Maybe you prayed. You showed up on holidays. Um, and, and a lot of us has fallen off of that. We, we don't realize uh, our true identity and that we died to ourselves and, and he lives in us and he's with us every single day. We're actually working on something here coming up for a, a men's conference. It's about being intentional in your faith amidst the fast life. And a, a lot of it has to do with recognizing every single day, like when you step out of bed, like you are a child of God and he is with you. And what are you going to do to be intentional about that and bold about that all day, every day? So, but that's a, it's, it's just so far away, right? So at 13 years old, you're kind of lost. You're kind of going down your own path. So, so tell us more about that path. Where does that lead? Yeah. And um, it just, you know, for me, it, it started to just spiral. It started to spiral. It got to a point to where, like, like I was saying, I was really good at athletics. I ended up getting um, a scholarship for volleyball and I, I went against it. I'm like, no, nah, school's not for me. I don't want to do that. And at the time, it's actually one of like one of my lowest points because my mom ended up leaving my dad. And during that time, I was this, I was a senior in high school. I was 17 and I didn't understand. I'm like, people came to our house to get away from their trauma and their things that they were going through in their household. Like people would come stay at our house. You know, I always saw our family as perfect. And it was my first realization that we weren't. And we weren't perfect. And then I, um, a few years later, I ended up finding out that my mom left my dad because she loved women and couldn't have that love for him anymore. And I was like, well, that is definitely not in the Bible. That is <laughs> definitely not something that we're talked about, you know, um, with our religion. And so it gave me another reason to literally push God out because I'm like, how could you do this? How could you separate our family that I just loved so much us being together? We would go on vacations every year. Like, like I said, we would always have our dinners together. So I just didn't understand. And my dad, um, his nickname's Bear. I got him tattooed right here. Papa Bear got his handwriting on me. Um, But he's my bear. He's my teddy bear. I'm like, how do you not love this man? Like, I was so upset at my mom um, 
but then in turn, you know, years later, I, I realized like my mom needed, needed that, you know, my mom never really had friends, friendship. And, you know, even though I, I pray that, you know, they could have worked it out. I, I truly believe they could have, but when you don't have God in your heart and you don't truly seek him, he can't help you. He can't help you. Like, he's just like, you know what I like, you're, you're doing life on your own. You're not doing life with me. So what can I really do for you? And, um, that was difficult for me. And it started to then create this just, you know, wave of spiraling more and more down there, more drugs, more alcohol, more partying, more multiple sexual partners. Like I just didn't even care. I, I even had men that would just like buy me things. And I, I just didn't care. I didn't care what I was doing with my life. Wasn't seeking God whatsoever. Um, and then I, at the year of 2014, I ended up getting arrested so I ended up getting arrested. I wake up in jail and don't, I don't remember anything that happened. Just woke up in jail, ended up, you know, falling asleep at the wheel of a vehicle in downtown Houston with my car on my foot's on the brake and I'm passed out. And I didn't find any of this out of what happened until my trial for the DUI I had received. And you would think that would be a wake up call, right? You would think that'd be a wake up call. Like, what are you doing, girl? You could have killed yourself. You could have killed somebody else, but it wasn't. I got a breathalyzer on my car. And if I needed, you know, I would, I would drink and drive all the time. And I would ask, you know, random people on the street to turn on my car by blowing in it. I was like, Hey, have you been drinking? (laughs) And they were like, no, why? And I'm like, I'll give you 10 bucks to like blow on my vehicle so I can drive it because I it would not let me turn on my car because I would be drinking. What's crazier is the fact that people would do it. I know, but you're you're literally blowing in a car so that a person who is intoxicated can go drive on the road. I'm also really great at people. Sometimes in my past, I realized it was in a manipulative way. So I could find people that I knew needed the $10. So it appeared that they did. And I would ask them like, like homeless people or um, just people that didn't, I don't know. And I feel like I could, I could, I'm really great at feeling people's energies. And now I'm realizing that that's one of my spiritual gifts from God is that I can really relate with people and connect with people. Um, so I would, I would look to someone and they're like, no, not her. No, not him. Maybe him. Okay. I'm going to ask this guy, you know, and it, it would work out for me in my favor. Um, And then the morning that I was going to my trial to finally find out if I was going to be, this was like a whole year process. Um, If I was going to finally find out if I was getting convicted of my DUI and is it going to be on, you know, my record forever. Um, The morning I go, I wake up and that night I couldn't really sleep. And I remember feeling like this heaviness, like a really heavy pressure, just like laying on top of me. And when I woke up that morning, I had tons of phone calls, tons of text messages. Call me back. Call me now. Call me. My best friend's mom called me the most. So I call her first. She doesn't answer. I call another, another friend who just called me. What happened? What's going on? And, um, Sorry, it's still so hard to talk about. No, it's all right. Um, 
my friend told me, she just said she's dead. Jenna's dead. And um, Jenna was my best friend since third grade, since I moved to Texas. And she ended up being a drunk driver and drove straight into an 18 wheeler five miles from her home. And she, she died on impact and she died that morning that I was going to court for my DUI. And that was the biggest, how could you do this to me moment in my life to God instantly blamed him instantly. I just remember feeling so angry because I, I've always been kind of a tomboy growing up. I always kind of been a hard to love girl. And, um, Jenna was just like my opposite. I, I call her my, she was a salt to my pepper. She was this blonde, so popular. Um, I was, you know, emo hardcore into metal and fitness. And that wasn't cool growing up. And, um, I don't know, she just was my number one fan for everything. And we were for each other. And so when she passed away, that was so traumatic for me. And I ended up breaking both of my knuckles on like around my pinkies. Cause I just smashed the toilet seats or the toilet um, box. I don't even know what that's called in my bathroom. And my, my mom and, and her best friend are on their way to my house to take me to my trial and the second they walk in the door they're they've already been crying because people had been sharing this on Facebook, um, this news of her passing. And I grew up in a small town in Magnolia, Texas, you know, so a lot of people, everybody knew everybody. And that was so difficult because I kind of, I kind of don't remember fully that day because it was so traumatic that I blacked out. I just, in, I was in and out of, of the moments and I remember my roommate at the time calling my attorney being like, Tam cannot go to this. Like she is literally jello right now on the floor. She can, she's like, I'm sure he could hear me screaming. I probably traumatized her from just yelling. Um, and the attorney was like, this is, she needs to go. This is how we're going to get her out of this. And my mom dressed me that day. I told her, I was like, I'm not putting on any color no, 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 no. Don't even try to put makeup on me. Like I shouldn't, I was just not okay. And my mom and her best friend, they are like Jenna's moms as well. We're all just sitting there bawling our eyes out. I don't mean to laugh. It's not funny, but it's like, oh my gosh. And you know, the, I, I remember being in there and the, the jurors all found me guilty as I should have been right. I was drinking and driving. I was four times over the drinking limit and by by god's grace the judge felt so sorry for me because i was hysterically bawling this whole time the judge would have to be like i'm sorry but you have to be quiet like we're we're in a trial i was like i, I was like i literally i can't um he was like i feel so sorry for you i'm i'm just gonna give you this fine he gave me a 500 dollars fine yes the DUI is on my record, but who isn't a part of the Dewey crew these days? Okay. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. So that was a very, very intense moment. And 
you know, God, God always shows up for me in so many ways because I wanted to share this with you. And I don't know um, if you'll be able to see it, but as I was going to Jenna's memorial, this showed up in the sky. And I don't know if you can see. Oh, yeah. Wow. So when yeah. that showed up and I saw an angel, yep. I just remember seeing it. I took a photo of it. I was on so many drugs that I didn't really think too much of it, but I just was like, is that what I think it is? I don't know. Took a photo of it and then went on with my life at her memorial, got so wasted, was on Xanax. You know, I was, I was probably having like two or three Xanax a day, just drinking every single day, very, very depressed. Um, and then I attempted to take my life probably two or three days after she passed. So and, let me hold you up real quick, Tim. Yeah. So all this happens, like obviously you're in, in amidst a, an extremely dark place in your life, e even yeah. before her passing away. Like, yeah. but as, as so many of us are in that darkness, I just want the listeners to maybe pull this out. Maybe, maybe one of you listeners knows somebody who's in the same position that Tam was in and, and this podcast might save their life. This can make a difference in them. Cause like so many of us, we're, we're looking to be upset at God. We're looking to be offended by God. We, we say how, um, you know, Adrian, and I talked about it in the last podcast a little bit, right? Like we're looking to be upset with God. We're looking to build a wall against God. How can how can he do these things to good people? And just as a reminder in that, none of us are good people. We're all sinners. We're all born into sin, and he realizes that. That's why he sent his son to die for us on the cross for all of our sins, and he, and he covers a multitude by doing that. But as we're in those dark places and we continue to walk in those dark places, that's exactly what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to build a wall up against God. He wants us to be away from God because if we keep walking in that, we'll go deeper and deeper and deeper into the darkness. So as you're living in this darkness now, you could look at this a couple different ways, but Jenna passes away, who's obviously living in the same darkness that you are. You guys are there together. Um, and then God does something amazing for you but you didn't recognize it. Is that fair to say? Like the the what happened with the DUI stuff that was a, a blessing, and then he's he's speaking to you, but you didn't see it yet, right? Right. That, okay. So I mean, now move us forward. I just I wanted to capture that moment and let people know that as as we're sitting in that darkness, we're stuck in that darkness. That's exactly the trap that he wants us to continue to be in. And God's sitting there going, you know. I sent you this. Mm -hmm. I, I threw that there for you. I, I threw you the life rope to pull you out of this entire mess. But you have the blinders on, right? The veils over the eyes. You can't see it. Yeah. No, thank you for stopping in that because I had that realization so much now as I hold hands with God every day. He reminds me of little things that he showed up for me for in my life. 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, that was you. How could I not have seen you and, and held you in? So that's such an important message for people to, to, to know, you know, like when you are in the depths of it and you feel like you're just sunken into this hole and there's no way to get out of it. Like God's that ladder, God's that ladder and he'll build it for you. He'll build it for you. You just have to be, be you have to be willing to climb because if you're not, then the ladder just like turns into a shovel and that's what, that's the devil. The devil's that shovel and he's just allowing you to dig yourself a deeper hole. Yeah, but so, if you find yourself in a hole with a shovel, the first rule is to stop digging. Yeah. 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 So, um, so, so in that time, you know, and, and, and again, like to what, like Nick's saying, like, if anybody is struggling, like seek God, seek help, um, you know, call on us. I am a safe space. I invite people in anytime. You'll notice a lot of what I share on social media can be quite vulnerable. Um, that's because I believe that's our superpower. Our, our trials are our biggest triumphs and what was intended to break us is our biggest breakthrough. Always, 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 always. Um, we just sometimes need to lean on God, not sometimes always need to lean on God to be reminded that we have somebody who has our back. Um, but it's always great to have people in the physical form to talk to as well, you know? So, Absolutely. um, yeah, so, when I was, um, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Nick. No, I was, I was just going to say something that, uh, a, a great pastor who's been on the show told us, and it's really been on my heart a lot lately, but the word testimony in Hebrew literally means, uh, to do it again with the same power and authority. So every time we share our testimony, we share this, it, it, somebody else hears it, God is able to use that to do it again in that next person. And it's just, it's so profound to me. Like when you think about that. Yes. I love that. It's so beautiful. Continue. Sorry to interrupt. We got, we got no, off track no, a little no, bit. No. Interrupt me as much as possible. I could talk <laughs> forever, <laughs> but um, yeah. So so after, you know, Jenna passed, death I spiraled into depression. And, and I've definitely always had a little depression and anxiety my whole life. Um, but it really took off after she passed. I became medicated on antidepressants um, because I had attempted to take my life a few times. And at the time, I was actually dating somebody that I had just met within the month, you know, and he was from Southern California and he saw me go through this. And I am so thankful for him because he was like, Tam, you're going to die here, you know? And he was almost like my angel in that moment to bring me out because he would pray over me. You know, his, his dad was a pastor and um, his mom so, so, so walks so, so, so closely with God. Like she's so, oh my gosh, so righteous. And he was like, I am moving back. He was from San Clemente in Southern California, um, but was in Texas to be with his mom and had to have knee surgeries. He, he was a professional skateboarder um, and just had to have more knee surgeries. So he was not a fan of Texas and was like, I'm going back to California it will change your life. Orange County is special. You should come. I know we don't know each other that well, but you know, I love you and I want to see what this could provide for you. 
I thought he was crazy. I was like, no way, dude. Like, I don't even really know you. Like, how could you want me to go with you to this? Like, it just seemed cray cray. But I was so depressed. I, and, and at the time, um, I always have been a personal trainer and I always would do that part time. But I also was working as a um, marketing representative for a big medical company. And my job was basically to talk to personal injury attorneys and a lot of their clients had been in car accidents or some, I mean, I remember being in, an, in a meeting and this one attorney is talking about how his idiot patient drove into an 18 wheeler and I lost it. I'm like, I, you, my best friend had just passed because she drove into an 18 wheeler. You have no idea what people are going through. You cannot talk like that. Like I just was so upset. And that was kind of my, okay, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to figure it out don't really know this guy, but California is beautiful. That I know for sure. And moved to California um, with the intention of solely focusing on health and fitness. That's what Jenna always wanted for me, like to be the personal trainer, nutrition coach. And so I focused solely on that. And from there, you know, um, I started to slowly heal. I started to slowly heal. I didn't walk closely with God in that time either. And yet he showed up for me like always. Did, did you quit drinking? Like was, was there a point where you quit drinking or are you still, still drinking and doing that stuff at this point? So at that time I was over it. I didn't have a desire to drink. I didn't have a desire to do drugs and my partner would kind of like, okay, you know, you could have maybe just like a little bit, like, like here's a little bit of a Xanax or a little bit of a narco, or, you know, if you do drink, like I'll make sure you only drink a little bit. Like he was almost just like helping me, but also in a way I felt like it was still allowing me to want more. Um, so I just kind of naturally just stopped wanting to drink alcohol. I'm like, I just don't want to do it anymore. It's so beautiful here. People are so healthy here. Um, I'm just going to focus on my health. So I just, I just kind of slowly and naturally just stopped altogether with that, those small increments It eventually just turned into zero desire for it anymore. And I started getting way healthier. I start, I I completely transformed my body. Um, solely focusing on, on my fitness and my fitness journey. And it was my first time ever where I had like the six pack abs and I like felt really great. I was strong. I was running a seven minute mile. Like I just felt really, really great. And then in turn, I started, you know, helping other people and coaching and helping others. And it was difficult because I was in my, you know, early twenties and finding friends that didn't want to drink or didn't want to party um, they're not, they're, they're like absolute when there are here right. in like the health and fitness space. I feel like a lot of people in health and fitness are almost looking, they're, they're healthy and then they're looking for their way out into being not healthy. And so I realized that really quickly. I'm like, gosh, these, these trainers are just wanting to party. I don't want to do that. I right. am still traumatized from losing my best friend, but I also didn't want to bring any friends in because of my trauma. I'm like, it's fine. I don't want to be your friend anyways. Like I'm just going to be by myself. And, um, then it was, you know, a couple years of living in California that I started to resent my partner. And I started to have these dreams of us getting pregnant 
because we were living together. We were having sex, we were intimate, but I was, I don't know. It just was overnight. I started getting these dreams of me getting pregnant and despising my partner, myself, our child. And these dreams were becoming so real that I would wake up crying. I'd wake up crying and I'd be like, I'd be like, I don't know why these dreams are happening, but I, we cannot do this anymore. Like we cannot live in sin. Like I need, like we can, we have to practice abstinence. We have to wait until marriage, but I don't think I want to marry you. I don't know. It was so confusing. And we were, we were like my, my family, we would go to church on Sundays. You know, he was Christian. So he would take me to a Christian church and we would, we would go on Sundays and, um, you know, pray every once in a while when we were with family and stuff, but that was it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is like that same cycle of, of what I grew up in. And I don't want that. You know, I, I want, I, I want to break chains, right. I don't want to keep linking them together. And so when I was having these dreams, I was like, this is God. That was my first time where I knew that God was speaking to me. I knew that he was like, Tam, wake up, girl, wake up. And that's when I met two of my bestest friends. Their names are Colton and Priscilla Achave. Love you guys. I hope you guys are listening to this. Um, but they have changed my life in so many ways, starting with God, starting with God. They brought me, they invited me to their church and they didn't know me. You know, we just met through, through water. (laughs) So weird through water. We're all made of water. So of course we all connect and flow as one, but they invited me to their church and it was this small church, maybe a hundred people. Everybody knew everybody's name. Everybody was like hugging family. They invite me there. My first day, I brought my partner to, and this woman comes on stage and she's like, hi guys. Um, I know I've been helping out with the church, but I, you know, I'm going to school for ministry and I have never shared my story with you guys or, or with anybody. So I want to share with you guys why I came back into my strong beliefs with God and with Jesus and with reading your Bible daily, which is what I love about this church viewpoint. They read their Bible daily together as a community. It's so beautiful. And um, so Val gets on stage and she starts sharing her story about how she was with a partner and they had been together for quite a few years. Um, And then she starts having these dreams. (laughs) She starts having dreams of her getting pregnant and they were living in sin (laughs) and her dreams were so real and she would wake up crying. And I'm sitting there after having one of those dreams that morning, telling my partner, I had another one. I cannot believe this, that like, this is God. We like, we have to do this. And he's like, I don't know. I don't think we can't, like, I don't think I can, like, we've been intimate this whole time. We've been together for almost four years. Like, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to work, like how that's going to work. And as I'm sitting there and he's sitting beside me and I had already explained and expressed all that that morning, we're hearing Val's story and I'm just bawling. Like what is happening right now? I asked for more signs. I was like, God, okay, I hear you. Give me more signs. And then Val to tell her story. That is a mere reflection of mine. Cause again, we're connected. We're all one. We're all the same, you know? So if anyone's like listening to this and is like, oh my gosh, Pam, me too. We're connected, right? God wanted you to hear this message. And she said at the end, if anybody 
needs prayer. I'll be over here. Uh, I'll come, I'll pray over you. I darted straight to her the second she said that. And I was like, oh, oh such a mess. I was like, I don't know. Just pray for me. <laughs> didn't, I didn't express a lot. I just asked for her prayers and she put her hands on me and prayed for me. And I'll never forget, you know, walking out of that sermon feeling like, gosh, thank you, God. Thank you. This is what I needed. This is what I needed. And my partner was so upset with me. He was like, I can't believe you would embarrass me like that to go and talk to her after she was explaining all that. I'm like, nobody here knows us. Nobody here knows us. No one here cares. Like, don't you care that like God is calling out to us that God cares for us. God is trying to help us. Like, don't you care? Like, I was almost like shaking him at this moment. Like, how do you not see what I see? How do you not see this? And, and he didn't. And that's when I had to say goodbye. I had to, you know, shed that layer of my life. And and I realized I held on for so long because he truly was an angel for me and, and saved me from potentially death in such a dark place. And I felt as though I owed him for bringing me into this life here in California that has brought nothing but so much beauty and grace. So it was very hard for me to um, shed that skin to, to close that chapter. But the second I did, God blessed me abundantly so much. You know, he, he blessed me with amazing friends that walk so closely with Christ. They, they, he blessed me with an amazing church that, you know, was there to support me, even as someone that's heavily tattooed, I've been shunned from churches. I've been told you can't go here. Look at you. Like you, you, even at Christian churches, I've been, you know, looked at, or people would walk around me or not want to talk to me. And I'm like, this is not what it's about. This is not what it's about. It's about what's here, like what's inside, you know, what, and what are you walking? What are you showcasing in your walk? And so um, that was difficult for me. So whenever I finally shed that layer, I felt so abundant. I ended up, you know, starting my awakening impact movement and started helping so many people um, transform their lives holistically, um, transform into financial freedom. And in turn, the amount of people that have, you know, come with me too to Christ, like we pray together every Friday as a community. And that's the best, you know, and, and I recently had a business partner shift from new age into Christianity. And you know, she sent me a message yesterday. She's like, Tam, I, I couldn't have done this without you, without your leadership, without, you know, seeing you walk this path. And that's what I love. I'm like, oh my gosh, people are coming back to God or coming to God for the first time in their lives, simply by, by me, by you, by, by you, by you, by, by anybody listening to this, they can, they can do that. They can change their lives in a second, you know, and that's the beauty in what we're doing. And that's the beauty of like, bringing God in every single day. Like I was saying that our church does every single day. We read the Bible. Um, my pastor wrote this book. It's, it's not a devotional. It's, it's God's word. It's the Bible. Every single day it goes from old Testament, new Testament Psalms and Proverbs takes about 20 minutes of your time to read it, or you can listen to it. And then I, you know, write down so much of what God's saying to me. And I've, I've done this every day for the past three years and bringing more and more people into his word is what's the most transformational. It doesn't matter if you're 
you know, a successful entrepreneur making, you know, multiple six, seven, eight figures, or if you're just, you know, at your lowest lows trying to figure it out, God's going to guide you no matter what. And, and I knew that to be true. One of my favorite verses, I, I wrote it out. It was, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And that verse is what reminds me every single day. Like, God's got me. God's got me. God's got this. So we I, got this. Isaiah 43, 10. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. I almost tattooed that on my hands. Oh, yeah. I love it. I, I never did it, but man. So what a journey and, and here you are in the word daily from being completely in the darkness, almost taking your own life mm-hmm. multiple times, losing mm-hmm. a best friend, um, to, to the California dream, right? Um, <laughs> yes. The, uh, I mean, so, so tell us more, uh, so much to unpack here. I don't, I'm not even sure where to go, but <laughs> no. the, the daily routine, this is one of the things that's so on my heart and for the listeners that, that, that daily routine can look like a lot of different things for a lot of different people. You know, mm-hmm. Tam is a, is a very busy person. Your husband is a very busy guy, but you guys are able to find and, and, and etch out that 20 minutes every morning to go through this Bible. So great plug for the Bible in a minute. We'll hear, ask, uh, People, you know, will ask you, have you tell them where they can get that from um, if they want to pick up one of those. But that daily routine, everybody, that daily walk, it's it's an ongoing process. But something else you said, we're, we're leading people either back to God or to God. Mm-hmm. And what is so cool about it, guys, is that it's by faith that we're saved. Yeah. So really all you have to do is ask. And then have faith that you can be. It's not by what you do. It's not by how you do it. It's not by the good deeds or, or any of those things. It's by faith alone that you were saved. And if you ask Jesus into your heart, he is he's already there waiting for you to do it. But it will completely change your life. So, Tam, as we, as we near the end here, what's one thing that you really want the listeners to take home today? Well, I want them to take home this change your life daily Bible. It's so good. And, you know, I always was intimidated to read the Bible because I would start it in the old Testament. And I was like, man, this is staying heavy for a long time. (laughs) So that's what I really love about the breakup that it has. So I can um, send it to you. Maybe we can add it in the show notes so that people can just click a link and get this Bible if it aligns with them. And, and even um, some, you know, I know for me, sometimes it's better for me to hear. So I actually listen to it as the same time as I'm reading it. Um, so I can, you know, send you the link for that too, so that people can, can dive in and listen in. Um, I think the biggest thing that I want people to know is that it can be so hard to find God on our own. So hard that's why the word community has the word unity in it, right? Because we're all meant to be connected. That's why God created each and every one of us. So the biggest thing you could ever do, and like God is asking you to do this, is find people that are walking a walk that is close with him so that you can be walking with the right people too, because that matters so much. 
it matters. You know, they say you're, you're, um, you are the five people you hang around with, right? The most, the five people you hang around with the most, you are, they are. So ask yourself, are these people followers of Christ, followers of God? I have fired um, mentors because they choose not to walk with God. And that's something that is very, very important to me is making sure that the people that I'm keeping close with, that I'm connected with the most are either seeking God, they're seeking him, or they are walking hand in hand in him. So find the people, they're your people, they're God's people. Yep, Iron sharpens iron, right? Yes. So with that, how do, if uh, listeners want to get a hold of you, you know, tell us more about that. Also tell a little bit more about the awakening and what you guys do with all of that. Yes, yes, yes. So you can contact me. The best is on Instagram. Um, send me a DM, send me a follow. It's Tam, T-A-M, and then two underscores, Fulton, F-U-L-T-O-N. And the awakening is an impact movement aim where we aim for change in the world. Our biggest change is, of course, how can we become closer to God, but also is how can we help people holistically heal? How can we help people holistically heal from things that they didn't realize were toxic, like water, cleaning solutions, hand sanitizer, pesticides that are on our produce, even organic. These are things that we are starting to awaken the world with, with a simple solution. And in turn, it becomes a profitable business. If you desire to share this abundance with the world, I will hold your hand. I will teach you how to share with other people to be more holistic, to um, eliminate toxicity from you know our bodies, others, and our planet. We've created simple systems to bring in an abundance of what I see. Money equals time, and time equals freedom. And freedom allows us to do whatever it is that we desire. You know, it's my first time in my life that I'm able to tithe more than 10% to my church. And that feels really good. Um, the awakening is, you know, slowly shifting and creating more wells for people to start consuming clean water across the globe. And we're just getting started. We're just getting started and shifting a lot of um, paradigms that are being broken. And it's the best time now to invest in your health but also invest in your own freedom. There has been too many jobs that have been ripped and cut. And there's too many people out there that aren't doing something that aligns with them, that they aren't, um, you know, they aren't working with a boss or a mentor that is giving them the freedom they desire or the income they desire. I am very, very passionate about talking about money and finances because I don't come from it. I invested in myself when I had less than a thousand dollars to my name and had to pay rent that month. And money is something that I feel like, you know, people are like, oh, well, if we have too much money, we're going to be bad people. And I'm like, no, no, no. Money is just a direct reflection of who you are. It's just a direct reflection of who you are, what is already in your heart and in your soul and what you can do with it. Make sure that it's something that God will thank you for. Right. So the more giving is receiving. So that's a long explanation of what I do and um, what the awakening is. And if it, any of it aligns with you, you can also follow them on Instagram. It's the awakening with two K's. So T H E A W A K K E N I N G. And um, we'd be happy to align more with you. Yeah, absolutely. Check it out, everybody. That's uh, the 
it's uh, it's a pretty incredible stuff that's going on. We are just been awesome having you here. Thank you so much for joining us. For all the listeners, you know, go check out Tam, check out the Awakening. Um, as always, fastlifeministries.com. If you guys want to get on to support, uh, keep this podcast going, keep our ministry going forward. Uh, check out the new website. Devin just hooked up and did some new changes on there. So take a good look at that and uh, all of our social media channels. And and please like and share and subscribe to these podcasts. We never know who needs to hear your story. So share it with everybody. Everybody have an amazing day and we'll catch you next week. God bless. Thank you for listening to Faith in the Fast Life, brought to you by Fast Life Ministries. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take a minute to rate, like, and follow our podcast page so you can be the first to see new episodes every Wednesday. If there's someone who came to mind during the podcast, please send this to them. People like you sharing the show really helps us to get God's message out to a wider audience. Visit FastLifeMinistries.com to give to our podcast and keep us running. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.